Welcome back to the newest episode of the Staying Muddy podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Arnold Morales. He is a first-generation engineering graduate. He was actually, um, he actually founded the Ivy, Ivy Tech Engineering Society at Ivy Tech in Indiana and actually pursued aerospace throughout his entire college career and is now a systems engineer at Boeing. He is actually, he's also the host of the Non-Traditional College Success podcast. And thank you for being here. I want to appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love that introduction. Starting to yeah. feel fancy with that. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, you have a great voice, Juan. I have to say, man, you want to be on my podcast? Like, you have a great <laughs> voice. I love it. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll take compliments any day. Um, so to kind of start off, um, I, I mean, tell us a little bit about who you are. Like, can you summarize your career in like two minutes? I know you've done like this plus this, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, if you can tell us a little bit about your, come sort of your career and how you ended up where you are now. Definitely. So uh, I guess I'll go before that a little bit. I um, was born in Miami, Florida. After living in Miami, moved to Indiana, did my elementary school in Indiana. And then, interesting, I went to Honduras. So I did middle school and high school in Honduras, Central America, which is kind of the reverse of what people usually do. But that was me. And then for like after high school, I came back to the U.S. I was working at a warehouse. I hated my job. I hated working at a warehouse and just like nonstop for minimum wage. It sucked. So I said, what, what can I do that my managers are doing? Like, how can I be better? And there's like, oh, they have like community college degrees. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that time my girlfriend, now my wife, she was also in college. So I was like, you know what? I need to go do what everyone else is doing because obviously working at this warehouse is not, it's not, it's not <laughs> ideal. So I went to, to Ivy Tech community college. I, I, I started with being a first generation college student. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was low income. So I had no way to pay for school. And I, and I was a minority and in Indiana, like, I don't know how, what you know about Indiana, but it's very white Republican state. And yeah. It, I was, yeah, exactly. So I was, I was this Latino first generation, low income going to, to, to school engineering. I didn't, I started engineering school without knowing what an engineer was. I had no idea what an engineer was, but I said, Hey, I like math and science. I took an aptitude test, the aptitude test engineering and STEM would be a good fit. The guy told me, Hey, what type of things do you like? I like cars. I like ATVs. I used to race ATVs and my brother had modified cars. So I'm like, I like, that's what I like. And he's like, okay, you should look into mechanical engineering. I said, let's do that. And then I went home, I went on Google and YouTube. What is a mechanical engineer? I spent the whole night looking at what a mechanical <laughs> engineer was. And then I started Ivy Tech. I started my first semester. It was fun. I, I got good grades my first semester. And after that, I got a scholarship. So I was like, okay, I get good grades. I get scholarships and it's free money. Perfect. So I, I started doing that. I started the first engineering society. And then like that just took off, um, got invited to NASA, got invited to sit behind president Obama, got invited to have um, conversations with Mike Pence, the current, current vice president. He was the governor of Indiana at that time. And then got a full right scholarship to IUPUI, which is the Purdue university Indianapolis campus. Um, did my bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Then did my master's in mechanical engineering from Purdue university. And while I was doing that, I interned at Aerodyne Engineering, which is a smaller aerospace company. After that, I interned at Northrop Grumman. After Northrop, I interned at Praxair, which is a coding. And I, I was working there part-time while I was doing my master's. And then I ended up working at Boeing. And, and with that whole line, I also received offers from Rolls-Royce jet engines. I received offers from Cummins diesel engines, from Allison Transmission, from all these other companies too that, that were just great companies, but ended up picking one of them. So that's kind of Arnold in a nutshell. And then at Boeing, I've been a, a systems engineer. I started in a rotation program 
So moving around every six months to a year to kind of get a different experience. I did risk management. I did um, integration work. I did customer engineering, which was really cool. Um, and pretty much just worked on 777X airplane, which is the next generation 777 airplane that has folding wingtips. I've worked on 737 MAX analysis. I've worked on all of these like really cool planes and, and at Northrop, all these really cool things too. So that's my whole career in a nutshell. Jeez, that's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, even the fact that you just said like you, cause I'm, I was sort of in the similar situation where you said you're a first generation student and you didn't know what, what to do pretty much. Cause you don't have family members that have yep. gone through the engineering process. You don't have at the time when you first started college, like you don't have friends when you first, you know, join unless you transferred with them, but it's like, it's definitely difficult finding that sort of information it's like oh you should be applying to internships here you should be applying to jobs here you should be studying x y and z so seeing where you came from and how you ended up going through starting your own engineering society to working at boeing like that's pretty crazy that's, yeah. that's and cool. that's why i share my story man because i want everyone out there to know like you do not have to be this person that was just like groomed to be successful in high school like you could be like me that didn't even know what an engineer was low income first generation had no idea what they were doing and still make it to the world's biggest aerospace company so it's definitely doable for anyone yeah that's 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 awesome and sort of to step back a little bit um into your community college days what were like some of the i know we talked about this before um before the podcast but it's like what are some of the competitions they actually participated within um that sort of engineering society yeah definitely so one competition was this local indiana competition where it's engineering week um iupy indiana university purdue university indianapolis had a, a competition, which was Bex Robotics. Pretty much they were simulating, um, actually it was like, oh man, it's like, you know, like little battles of robots where you kind yeah. of, yeah, so yeah, so it's kind of like this robot battle, but it, in theory, it was supposed to be a Mario Kart course. So it's like, okay, you're, you build the robots, but it's a Mario Kart course, and then we're, and then here comes a community college and we got invited. He like, here comes these community college students. And we're like, Hey, what if we, what if we hit one of the other ones? That's okay. Right. Mario Kart is okay to hit one of the other ones. And they're like, yeah, sure. So we, that's how we won. We pretty much knocked all the other cards out, but it, it was kind of, we, it was, it was cool because like, we're these community college students that were supposed to be underdogs, right? We're the underdogs. And they're like all from like this four year university from Purdue and all these things. And like, we end up beating them just because like, we are more resourceful, I guess, and more hands-on experience. So that was that one. That was a local one. Um, then another one that I was involved with, with, if you're a community college student and you're listening to this, you need to head up NASA Community College Aerospace Scholars. So that one was like life-changing experience for me that, that I went, that they paid for a trip for, to go to NASA. In my case, I went to Marshall Space Flight Center for three to four days. And we had a, a, a little competition where pretty much we had this like Lego Mindstorm um, robots. And we had like one day and, and they ended up like touring NASA and like kind of teaching us a whole bunch of things in two, in two days. But the other day was just a competition where pretty much we were trying to replicate a mission on Mars. And we would work with this Lego Mindstorms and it sounds much more cool than it really was, but we, we, we try to replicate it. And we, they let us go in and look at everything, take notes, but not touch anything or not measure anything because like, that's how it is in space. We can't go up to space and measure things. Like, what are you talking about? You're gonna have to do calculations. You're gonna have to think about it. You're gonna have to be able to do this without looking at it, controlling your robot and everything. So, so that's how it was and pretty much who collected more um, moon samples won. And I think we ended up getting second place in that. So that was really cool. Just going to NASA, man, that was, that was just awesome. Um, and the third one wasn't in community college, but I, I really wanna talk about this one for anyone that, that's out there that wants to do aerospace. Um, design, build, fly. 
AIAA, American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, has a design-build flight competition where you design an airplane, you build it, and then you fly it. It's kind of obvious, but, <laughs> but pretty yeah. much if you get picked, you go to a Raytheon facility in Arizona, and you got to kind of, you do this like mission with your airplane, and it's just so cool. That was like, the, that was the biggest one we did. Um, we ended up not making it to like the rounds where we, we can go and fly to Arizona. I don't know. Actually, I think we made it, but we didn't have money to go. Something like that, but I don't mm -hmm. remember. But like something happened, but we didn't end up going or the whole thing got canceled. I don't remember. But but yeah, we did that one. That was really cool. And then we actually, I, I don't want to go too many, but we did like a lot of small projects. But another one that was pretty cool that any student can do was Stratasys Extreme Redesign Challenge. So it was like Stratasys, this big 3D printing thing. So like, what can you make that's 3D printed to do an impact? So in our case, we made a miniature rover that we were like, okay, this rover is going to be used for um, going through sewers and things like that to, to find, I don't remember what it was, but it was like either that or it was like bomb rover or something like that for like bombs. We, we, we made up like this whole like thing about it, but it was like, it was pretty much our, our, our NASA rover <laughs> that we had, but we made it sound fancy. So we made it for like bombs or something, but we ended up getting like, um, regional semifinalists for that one too. So those are all like little things that I highly recommend students go out and do. Yeah, somebody who's been in project teams, I also did project teams during my community college days before I transferred to Cal State LA. And even in Cal State LA, like I tried a couple out before I landed on Baja, but I definitely think that it's a great resource for students to get this hands-on experience. And I'm sure that it helped your resume out when you were first oh, starting. Yeah um to get the first internships that you did and of course you make connections in the industry both at nasa or wherever the competition is held i know there's always recruiters so if you're in engineering join a team and it doesn't necessarily matter because yes. at cal state la we have the same ones you know but it's good to hear kind of a more broad variety of projects that that you did um so maybe like in addition to these teams that helped you you know Get, get this experience, do your resume. And, you know, I'm sure like the project management helps so much too. Oh, yeah, yeah. What were like the most helpful resources that you found like as a first generation college student starting basically from scratch? Like what were the things that, I'm sure this is one of them, but what were the things that helped you the most to get from point A to point B in your like in your life and your career and your engineering experience? I think the the number one thing that everyone has to have to be successful as a like to be really successful as a non-traditional student um, is not be shy to ask for help. Like you need to ask for help. If you don't know what you're doing, the only way to find out is reading a whole bunch of information and asking for help. Like anytime something doesn't make sense, ask for help. The quicker you ask, the quicker you get answers or the quicker they can make something happen. So, so that was my case. I asked for help. I wasn't shy to going to ask. So I was at the career services office getting a resume built, getting a, now I actually look back and that some advice that I got there was terrible, but I had no advice before that. Like I, I had no idea what a resume was. Like I never made a resume before. So it's like, what, what is a resume? That's how, how crazy it was. So definitely go to career services. They'll help you find internships. They'll help you with all these things that you don't know what to do. The other one that I really do is like just your school services in general, like financial aid office. Like it's ridiculous the amount of money of scholarships that's out there that goes unused because no one applied. 
Like that's ridiculous. People should be applying to scholarships and no one's applying because no one thinks they're going to get it. So that's, that, uh, that was good for me because I applied and I got like $60,000 in scholarship. So don't apply anymore when I'm a student, but now you can apply. <laughs> but yeah, like students weren't applying for scholarships. I even got one that I wasn't qualified for. So that was cool. Oh, wow. Um, just because I applied to like, applied at this general application and then they're like hey you know what no one no one applied for this scholarship so here you go have it i was like okay cool it's like 500 bucks but still 500 bucks is 500 bucks and so i would definitely hit up like career services financial aid um your teachers ask them for advice advisors for the, for the classes just like asking people and the other one that i would say that i would say is my number one thing that I, that that i went to that just changed my whole thing is student organizations like getting involved in student orgs because one, you're meeting other students that are doing the same exact thing that you're doing. They'll help you with homework or like not just homework, but they they might have been in that class the year before and they're like, hey, you know what? I have all my tests. You want them? Here you go. You can have all my tests from last semester and you can just study those tests and, the, and usually tests are pretty similar. And like all these connections, I can tell you like, hey, this teacher's terrible. Don't, don't go to this class. Take this other class instead. It's much better teacher or it's a much not easier, but it's a much better class. Like you'll learn better information. So like that being involved student organizations and like, that's where you find out opportunities. That's where you find out about competitions. That's how I found out about NASA. That's how I got involved to sit behind Obama just because I was very involved in school. And so many opportunities came from being involved that that is the number one thing I would say students always do get involved. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And like, what are, I mean, obviously doing all doing these student orgs and it, it definitely opens up a lot of doors for you. But once you go through those doors, like what's a big takeaway that you that you've taken from your undergrad, like any sort of technical or conceptual um, skills that you've taken away from your undergrad moving forward, like having those doors open, you're like, oh, great. I remember doing this in, you know, an X organization or whatever. Like, is there, are yeah. there things? You know, st students have this problem that uh, especially undergrad students they have always have this problem where they think that they are at school and they'll learn all these things that they'll go use in the workforce. And the reality is like, you don't learn anything in school. Like, like you, what you learn in school is like the basics of like physics and fundamentals of things. And, and like all this extra calculations and all this differential equations, like, you might use that if you go into like those specific very niche things but then when you're in that you should probably get a phd or a master's degree like if you want to be an expert in finite element analysis uh, analyzing beams and stuff like that then you should probably get a, a phd in that and become really good but like undergrad you're just there to learn how to learn that that's like the number one thing you're there so learn how to learn hard and complex things and then when you get into the workforce that's where you're going to learn most of it so and that's like where i learned most of everything i've learned under and that's why internships is so important because internships, you, I feel like I learned much more in my internships than actual classes. In classes, I kind of understood basics. And the thing is like, yes, college is super important and gives you the foundation. But what you need to understand are like the basics, like, okay, what is a cooling fin? How does that work? What, how does heat and mass transfer? Like the really basic portions of it, not the complicated equations, like just the understanding how things work. That's what I got the best from from college. So, so the number one thing I got wasn't really technical and conceptual. It was more of people skills working well with others, communicating. Those were the things that have, that engineers lack a lot in the field. And the ones that do that really well are the ones that succeed really quick too. You did a master's degree and you're talking about, you know, if you really want to focus on something, then you should do postgraduate study. So what was your master's thesis about? So I didn't do a master's thesis actually. Um, I took classes instead. 
Um, and I actually liked that because I was like, I don't want to do anything specific yet. Like, I don't want to be a specialized in anything. I like systems engineering because at my internships, I found out that systems engineering was what I wanted to do. I, I, initially, I said, I don't want to be a manufacturing engineer because I had worked at warehouses and I just thought I hated that which is kind of dumb because the manufacturing engineer doesn't, isn't really like the warehouse worker. So, but whatever Arnold in, in that moment in life, um, after that, I was like, I want to be a design engineer because that sounds cool. And that sounds like what everyone wants to do. Um, be the design engineer. I did that for three summers and two kind of pretty much two years part-time during the school year. And then I was like, you know what, this is kind of boring. Like just me sitting designing stuff by myself, working really a little bit with other people. Um, so I was like, okay, systems engineering want to learn this working a lot with other people i'm very extroverted as you can tell i'm i do a podcast so and i like talking to people so i was like okay systems engineering is what i want to do so that's what i did for my masters i took all these systems engineering courses learning about model-based systems engineering which is kind of like having a digital twin of the real world um learning about the the basics of systems engineering which if you don't know what systems engineering is it's pretty much um interdisciplinary approach of solving complex problems. So a lot of engineers working together, it's not electrical systems, it's, it's like complex problem solving, a lot of integration work, like risk management requirements, all that. So that, that's what, what I liked and that's what I started to do. And I took those two classes, um, I took an FEA class just to learn how to use more simulations and analysis. So I could say like, hey, aside from being this really good talking person, I'm also really technical, I'm really smart. So I took all these other classes. So that's what I did instead of a thesis. Oh, wow. I'm, you, you definitely have a really great opportunity to sort of dip your toes into like each of those individual positions going through. Because I think a lot of people that don't have the opportunity to have an internship or have that industry experience before actually graduating, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm graduating as a mechanical engineer, but look at all these positions, systems engineer, yeah. engineers, like- None of them say mechanical engineer. <laughs> none of them say mechanical engineer, so none of them apply to me. So for those that are out there that are sort of on like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have my degree, but I'm not too sure in which direction to go to. Like, is there, can you describe sort of the differences between different engineering titles or like responsibilities and things like difference between a systems engineer and a manufacturing or things like that? Yeah. So that's going to depend a lot on which company, which industry, and then even inside some companies, it's going to be different depending on like where you work. But a lot of the times it's just understanding like, okay what general area do you want to be in do you want to be in design that's kind of like one big area design so you want to be designing mechanical parts electrical parts just design do you want to be more in like the building which is like the more of the manufacturing like actually like process improvement um, quality all those things fall under like the manufacturing the factories so when you hear like when you look at, at jobs at Boeing or Northrop you're never going to see like you might see like oh mechanical engineering intern for some positions because students don't know like hey, you want to manufacturing, you want design, you want testing, you want this, because it's just confusing. And I actually might start doing that on my podcast. I'll have like each discipline explain things like that. But um, so manufacturing, uh, pretty much factory work, process improvement, um, quality, all those things. Design work, that's kind of self-explained, designing parts pretty much. Um, systems engineering is a lot of integration, a lot of making sure that all the people work well together. And you'll only find systems engineer at the big companies. So like if you're a small company, you don't really have a systems engineer. Usually that project management does that. Um, there's project engineers that it's like project management is very similar to systems. And then there's like all these like little specialties out there, like um, experts in optical sciences, op experts in finite element analysis. So you're not going to know what you want to do. And remember, like your first job out of college, it's not going to be your job forever. So you, you might as well just get 
a job in something that seems cool and then start learning and, and moving around. What's better is get internships. That's like the number one thing that, that will just change everything for your career, getting internships and how you get internships, you get involved. That's why I mentioned getting involved at the beginning. So you can have all those things on your resume to stand out. Just out of curiosity, what was the FEA class that you said you took like? What did they teach you? What topics did they cover? Um, yeah, what so, was the content of it? Yeah, so that class, um, we we did a final element analysis using, I think it was ANSYS. Yeah, ANSYS. And pretty much we started with like basics, like, okay, how do you use ANSYS? So the class was split up into two. The theoretical part of FEA, which was the boring part that no one wanted to know. It's like, okay, I don't care about how the calculation, like the numbers, like eigenvalues. And we were doing like all these complex numbers. And I'm like, the computer does it for us. Why are we doing this? It was like, okay. So the, the reason why is like, so you can, once you get an answer on the computer, it actually makes sense. Like the numbers don't seem too crazy. Like, okay, there's a negative force in this area and that's impossible or something like that. Um, but the other part was all using ANSYS and just learning how to do it on, how to do finite element analysis on parts. So that was really cool. Um, and then I had another class, which was like model-based systems engineering. So we had like a small FEA portion that I actually used SOLIDWORKS for that portion, which was really cool because once you learn like in one software, then it's really easy to understand how to use other softwares. All you have to do is find the buttons where they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So going back to the topic of um, how you kind of moved through companies and moved through industries, you mentioned that, you know, you worked at Boeing and you mentioned that you worked at... Um, for example, what was the name of the company? Uh, Worked at Aerodyne, Praxair, Boeing. Praxair, right? So Praxair, I'm assuming Praxair is not like a defense company, right? So they are not a defense company, but they they focus on coding parts, so painting parts, I guess, if you don't know what coding is, um, adding a metallic coat around parts, and they focus on coding aerospace parts. And that's why I went there, because it was like, okay, it's aerospace related, because I wanted to do aerospace. So I knew I wanted to do that. So I focused on aerospace related things to have that experience in industry. So all my, actually all my experience was around aerospace. They were all doing different things like design, testing, um, at Praxair was design work completely. I was designing equipment and tooling. So I think that like some of those companies might be a little more like kind of private or yes. um, like contract based. And then there's some that are more uh, department of defense related. So yes. what has been kind of like the biggest difference between the defense industry, the department of defense companies, and the ones that are a little bit more like for profit kind of yeah. businesses? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually posted on LinkedIn um, about this recently about like commercial aerospace versus defense aerospace versus space itself. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because like it depends on the industry uh, but if you go like into automotive or aerospace and you go into like the commercial sector like building commercial airplanes or building commercial cars you will actually learn that it's very similar to like it's a it's a narrow version of defense which is like you have all these stipulations because of like FAA or like the car, like the highway security and all that. You have all these like, uh, like red tape. And that's the biggest thing about defense. Like there's a lot of red tape. Things are much slower in defense um, because they take longer to do because everything has to be very good quality. And uh, you can't, and just because like there's a lot of budget. So the thing about defense, like you have a lot of budget, you have, to, you have a lot of time to do things, which sometimes gets boring in my opinion, because it just takes long to do things but everything has to be really good quality because that depends people's lives. Um, in commercial, in commercial depends on what sector. So like if we're doing car parts or things like that, it's gonna be very similar where it has all this like red tape, 
but it is faster. It, it, it is faster to do the things because you want to get it out to market quicker. Um, but you do have lower budgets usually. And people care more about how much money you spend versus in defense. It's like the government has a lot of money. Um, commercial, you want to make a profit. So you care less about how expensive this is, I guess, or you care more about how expensive things are to make it cheaper. So that's kind of how I would compare non-defense and defense. And it really depends on like, because it, this answer can't be so generic. Like it really depends on what you're working because if you're working on a company that makes door hinges, yeah, no one's going to carry if a door hinge doesn't work completely. But if you're working in an automotive company that makes um, steering wheel parts, like that's going to be very important. So it's really going to depend on what you're doing in what industry. Obviously, you spend a ton of time within the aerospace industry. That's pretty much been yeah. a majority of your career. But I know you had mentioned that you were into the automotive industry as well, yes. or you were into cars. And like, so personally, like I've, I've worked with cars throughout my entire life, and I ended up working for a company that happens to work on cars, which is, yep. you know, natural progression, right? Um, so, but you made a change at some point. You wanted to go into aerospace. Like, what was that tipping point for you? Was there a moment where you're like, you know what, I kind of don't want to see these vehicles on the ground. I kind of want to see them in the air. So. Yep. Then I, I still remember that day. It was when I got to NASA. When I got invited to NASA, I, the thing is like, I grew up in Honduras. So we have no aerospace uh, industry in Honduras. And for me, that wasn't really like a possibility. I never imagined that someone like me could work at a, at a aerospace company. Like that, that didn't make sense for me. That, that was too, too, too high to dream, I guess was my thing. Um, and I love cars. I like, and I still love cars. Like I, I really, I, I could go into randoms, but like if I was in Indiana still and I had my cousins and my brother and everything, I would have like at least a modified car or something just for fun. Um, right now I just have my wife here. So she hates anything related to cars. So it's like, what would I do with a car out there if I'm a this part? But, um, and I barely use my car, even because Seattle, it's pretty cool to commute on either the bus or bikes. So I end up using that more than an actual car. So that's kind of weird. But I really wanted to go into the car. So like my thing was, I want to do like modified cars. I, and I still do. I still, in the future, I want to open up a shop or something in the future to, to do that for fun when things get better. But it was like, I love cars. And then I went to NASA. I went to NASA and I remember going and them talking about like these rockets, seeing these things that would like fly in the space and go to space. And, and just, I was just like mind blown. Like I would see, because they took us around the NASA facilities and like the level of technology that they were doing it's like cars, okay, what, automotive, uh, autonomous cars now, that's like the newest thing, but like in defense and aerospace, like we've had that for like years now. So it was like the high level of technology. It just blew my mind. So that day I said, I love you cars. I'll always have really cool cars and fun cars in the future, but I'm going to the aerospace. This is, I feel this is much cooler. Sorry for everyone out there hearing this because you're all, you're all in, the, in the car club thing. But like, that's the thing, like, that's what was passionate for me. If what, what is passionate for you is cars, then that's where you should be at. That, that's what I would say. And, and don't, and sometimes you might go back and forth and you'll see that a lot of things you can be using everywhere. But that's where when my mind changed from cars to, to aerospace. And so far, I don't plan on going back to cars. <laughs> Unless it's like having my own cars, but that's personally, about it. Personally. Yeah. So for a brief point in time, you worked at Northrop. And Northrop is pretty notorious for being more defense, I think, than aerospace, if I do say so. Um, and one of the projects that you worked on was their ground-based strategic deterrent. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so... so 
Northrop is a aerospace defense company. So pretty much we do everything defense, but everything's aerospace related still, like most of it at least. Um, fighter jets, um, bomber airplanes, like the B-21 bomber that, that they won, or I think Raider, something like that's called, which is the B-2 uh, stealth bomber replacement. GBSD, ground-based ground strategic deterrence, which is the next generation nuclear missiles, which is replacing Miniman 3. And this is like all stuff you can look up online. So don't think I'm telling you all this confidential stuff. Um, GBSD pretty much is like this $80 billion contract where we're going to upgrade all our nuclear missiles so we can make sure that the U.S. is safe always. Um, so GBSD, it, it, it's really cool to work on projects like that. It's really cool to work on, a, like say, hey, I worked on nuclear missile systems for the U.S., um, I worked at an Air Force base. That's really cool to say. Um, once you're doing it every single day and you have all the red tape, it kind of it kind of wears down. But it's still really cool to say. Like I I feel so proud to say I work on the triple seven X airplane. Like it's gonna be the biggest uh, trip Boeing airplane that we're gonna have on the market. It has folding wingtips. We've never had folding wingtip airplanes. So like it's just really really cool to say you work on things like that. I feel like if I said oh I work designing pencils, I, I wouldn't be that. I guess like. Sorry for the pencil builders out there, but like I wouldn't feel that cool saying I worked for pencils. And that's actually a problem that I have like with Google. It's like, I don't understand like how everybody wants to go work at Google and say, I work on a, a search engine versus like, oh, I work on nuclear missiles. I just think like nuclear missiles and airplanes are much cooler than a search engine, but I guess they give you free food. So maybe that's why everybody <laughs> wants to go there for the free food. And like they get the college students, like the college students like, oh, free food, free food. It's like, wait a minute, college students, you get paid. You know that, right? You'll have money to buy food. <laughs> But that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, I, I felt, I just, I just honestly feel proud to work on things like that. And that is usually, usually one of my criteria to work on a product that I feel passionate about. Anything special about kind of like the technology that went into it that's hopefully not confidential? <laughs> yeah, you, you want FBI calling us and everything. <laughs> no, it's just like, it's, it's really high tech. It's really high tech stuff. And, and, and that's kind of like, that's why it's next generation. Um, and just really cool, a lot of model-based engineering, a lot of systems engineering. And that's why I'm, I'm getting more into systems engineering because that is the future for all these really, really complex things. And so new airplanes, new new defense programs, a lot of model-based systems engineering, that's kind of where the technical things would, would go into. That's why I kind of pushed to that area also. Sort of to step away a little bit from your, sort of your career path within, within aerospace, um, going into your podcast, yeah. Uh, why why did you why did you start the non-traditional podcast i i mean i would think um like you had mentioned you you started as a first generation like college student right it, and i'm sure it was very helpful for you to have people there that are willing to help you throughout your college career like i'm sure that might be one of the reasons why you wanted to do this podcast that's exactly right so 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 that, that, that's one of the big reasons also um so i when I was at Ivy Tech, I used to do a lot of presentations. I used to do present for any times, like I was the face of Ivy Tech engineering and Hispanics. Like I was anything engineering related, they would say, hey, call Arnold. He, he'll be a great panelist. He'll be a great speaker for this or anything related to Hispanics. Hey, call Arnold. We want Arnold to go, go talk to all the Hispanics too. So anything related to Hispanics or engineering, they would ask me to go talk. Um, and I loved it. I love talking to students. I love motivating other people. And, and then I started to do it more and more and more. I got involved with the nonprofits in Indiana. I'm doing presentations all the time. The problem with presenting in person is you meet. So I presented sometimes like in front of thousands of people, like a thousand students. Oh, and cool. yeah, it, it, it's really cool. Um, it, it, it sucks the first time because you're like super nervous, but yeah. I, it, it's really cool once you get into the head of it. And 
these students thought I was great. They thought the advice was great. They loved it. But after that, like I never saw these students again. Um, and because I did, I wasn't smart enough to have an Instagram or a Facebook at that time or something like something they could follow so they could keep on getting advice for the future. So when I did have something come up, I could share it with them. So then I started a blog one day and my blog, I was like, I talked to thousands of students, but no one follows me on my personal Facebook because that's only my family. And it's like, how am I going to tell all these students I have a blog? So I couldn't. So then like, it just didn't, it didn't blow up. It just stayed stagnant for, for a while. And I hate writing. So I was like, I don't hate writing, but writing is definitely not my favorite thing in the world. So I was like, you know what, this isn't a good fit for me. <laughs> um, so I moved to Seattle and I didn't have that connection anymore. I didn't have all those people saying, hey, Arnold, do you want to come present? So I, I didn't have that giving back to the community feel. And then COVID hit. So even if I, because I was starting to get involved um, in Seattle, I was starting to meet a lot of nonprofits. I was starting to do pretty much what I did in Indiana. It's just network the hell out of the city, meet every single influential Latino and engineer out there and just get, get everybody start knowing who Arnold Morales is and start presenting. But then COVID hit. <laughs> you can't meet with people in person. So I was like, oh man, what do I do now? And I don't have a following, so I can't really do anything. And I made, and so that was kind of, I was having an existential crisis because I wasn't helping people. And I started to do like these fundraisers. I did a fundraiser for Honduras and we actually raised the first time we raised $2,500. And we did a second fundraiser for, for the hurricane and we ended up raising like $4,000 for that one. So that, that, was, that was just awesome. Um, seeing that like I could raise money for, for a cause. And oh, and for my daughter, we raised $1,000 for her, for her hospital also. So that was pretty cool too, for her birthday. Uh, my goal was 200, we ended up raising a thousand. So that was cool. Um, so then I was like, okay, what can I do? And, oh, actually for that, for that fundraiser, I did a video and I did a voiceover at the video. And someone told me like, hey Arnold, you have a pretty good voice. They're kind of like, well, one, like, well, I told you like, hey, you have a pretty good voice. And, and I was like, thank you. And like, and then like, and then someone asked me for my story. I told them about my story and they're like, Arnold, that is such a motivational story. You should share that with more students. And then I was like, yeah, I've tried. I tried doing a blog. I hated it. Um, I think my blog was about just general success. So that's, that was the problem wasn't for students specifically. Um, and then I was like, and videos is just too time consuming. It's just way too hard to do YouTube videos. And I really wanted to do YouTube videos um, about college and experience, just too time consuming. Like, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, you know what? That is a really good idea. Thank you, Michael Wilson. Actually, I remember Michael Wilson. Thank you for that idea. And I was like, I will start a podcast. That's a great idea. So I started a podcast and it's non-traditional college success. And it's mostly focused on empowering non-traditional students, students that are first generation, low income minorities, pretty much anyone that's not white male that went straight from high school to college that has everything paid for. Pretty much anyone that's not that, you, you can fit in one of my buckets, either second careers, veterans, anything that's not that typical student. Um, and it, we end up focusing a lot on engineering, which is something I don't want, but it's just I, all my connections are in engineering. So it, it happens a lot. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the whole reason of the podcast and it's grown really well. I think I have 35 episodes up already or something around there and it's going really good. Um, the other thing that did come out unconsciously from the podcast is LinkedIn content. I've been doing a lot of LinkedIn content and I'm starting to find more passionate LinkedIn content than actually my podcast and it's growing like crazy. So if you don't follow me on LinkedIn, you're missing out on daily really cool posts. Um, so Arnold Morales and I think like in six months, I went from having 500 connections to having 5,500. Uh, 5, so like 5,000 people started following me in six months just because like they like the content and, and, and I'm enjoying doing it. So I'm going to keep on doing that.
nice this is more of a more of a more of a personal question because um i i enjoy presenting as well like i i love the being able to be in front of people and just either give your own story just pre just present in general and you had mentioned that you presented in front of like a thousand people like this like yeah can you explain to me sort of like the first time when you went through that because like, i think that's one of my it's like small goals is to actually be able to do something like that or actually have something to say where you know a thousand people are going to show up and actually listen to you but um can you tell me a little bit about the experience when you first like yeah that, that first initial experience of like yeah. man i'm going to start presenting and doing something large like that so, so that's not a small goal that's definitely not going to be a small goal um i, I would definitely modest I mean, yeah <laughs> i would definitely start just, just start anywhere that anyone wants to speak kind of like right now you guys wanted to hear my story on your podcast i was like sure anywhere that anyone wants wants you to speak go and speak and then you'll start building a reputation and the other thing one right now linkedin man TikTok, those are the two biggest platforms that you can just like grow so start making content either um related to what you're doing at school what you're doing out there and then people will start seeing you more and more and they'll say hey you want to because i think jocelyn um put me in contact with you guys through my linkedin content so, so people will start seeing your content either on LinkedIn and I say LinkedIn and TikTok, those are the easy ones, the easy, easiest ones yeah, to grow yeah. right now. Um, start doing those, people will start seeing you and then they'll start saying, hey, you wanna come present, you wanna come talk to my students. And then you just say, yes, 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 until the things start growing. And then they say, Arnold, you wanna go present at this conference for like a thousand students? And I was young, you're like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, okay. So after having presented to so many students, you know, thousands, probably, probably in the several thousands now um what are some of the success stories that you had from that resulted from either the podcast or from a lecture Ooh, series that, that you did or hey the podcast sex stories yeah. those are my favorite <laughs> um i i started the podcast and never ever thought that it was going to like actually make people sick well the thing is like i knew the advice that i'm giving is great advice and it's gonna and it's changing people but I never thought I was going to see like the results of it so quick or like see people actually doing it. Um, and you can see all like the top ones that I have on my LinkedIn recommendations. So I'll, I'll go through a couple really quick. So I have one student that got an internship at Boeing. I have another student that got a full-time job at Boeing. I have one student that got a Northrop Grumman internship. And then I had one full-time employee, like an early career professional, that I got furloughed during COVID and ended up working at Intel now. And then I got this other guy, Bolivar, that, and I have, I'm starting to pull out episodes with all these people, like them giving 15 minute episodes about what they did that they think that helped them get their internship or full-time job right now during the pandemic, during this virtual environment. Um, and then my, my last student that, that has just killed it, um, he received nine offers nine offers at the conferences wow. he got offers from northrop grumman boeing raytheon ge uh cummins he had like nine freaking offers that's just crazy and he said arnold um i saw your post about the best way that you saw as a student to get offers was through conferences and that you got six offers and i said i'm gonna do what arnold did and i ended up getting nine and i'm like man i love it i and i really love it so those are some of the success stories and you can see a lot of these like on my linkedin recommendations and they talk about how my content has helped them get into those jobs and I'm that's 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 the best feeling in the world to know that actually you're making you're changing some of the changing not the world but you're changing a population or just changing one person's life is incredible yeah no definitely and I mean even when you're interviewing for these companies is there like 
a specific thing that you think these companies are generally looking for? Like, obviously, if you're if you're interviewing for a manufacturing engineering position, they want to know that you've worked with tooling and things like that. So, but in as a general scope, like, what do you think these companies are actually really looking for? Yeah, so that's a great question to ask me because I've been a recruiter. Uh, I've been I've been a recruiter for top aerospace companies. I've been a kind of the hiring manager role where we get to pick which which student gets the offer. And pretty much it goes like this. First, I look at education. Is this person education related to what I'm hiring for? If I'm at an engineering conference and I'm looking for engineering students and this and someone comes up with a psychology major, I'm like, this is not a fit for like what we're looking for. So first, you're at the right conference at the right places for the right jobs. That, that, that's the number one thing. After that, I look at their GPA as a filter. Like, and the reason why is because it's, it's with their education. Um, and and that, 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 that just kills students sometimes. But anything above a 3.0, for me, it's, it's, it's good. Um, and, and there is some companies that have like stringent 3.0 or up. So anything for me, 3.0 up is good. If it's lower than that, I ask them. I'm like, hey, why is your GPA lower than 3.0? And I get really good answers. I get answers like, well, I've been working full time during my whole school year. So it's kind of hard to do both at the same time. And I'm like, you know what? I get it. I've been there. I've done that. Um, I still kept a really high GPA, but still, I was like, it's really bit Like, <laughs> I, it totally makes sense why you have a lower GPA than the other students. Um, or they, they talk about some type of personal thing going on that has going on, which I'm like, I understand that. And I totally for, just stopped looking at that. Um, so th that's not important, but that's a filter for us. Um, and for me specifically, after that is their experience. I don't care about anything else. I care about your experience. What have you done so that you can go repeat? Number one thing I want to see is internships. If you have internships, you are killing it. Um, number two, if you don't have internships, that's okay. So what I'm telling you, I'm describing the perfect candidate. Okay. So if you don't have internships or you don't have that 3.0, don't think, oh, Arnold said I'm never going to get a job. No, I'm describing the perfect candidate that if I see your resume, I will automatically give you an interview pretty much when I can. Um, so yeah, so I look at experience. Internships, that's the number one thing you want to have on there. If you don't have internships, competitions. Competitions where you were in groups, where you worked in groups. That's the second thing I, I really like. Oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm joking the, or I'm lying. The second thing is research, that you've done research at your school. So number one, internships, second research, the third one is competitions. And the fourth one, I would say is projects, just projects in general, like school projects. Um, and, and so yeah, so I look at that experience. After that, I look for, the thing is like, you have to realize that I recruited for like the top aerospace companies. So the lines are 200 students sometimes. And when you have a 200 student line, I can't pick a student that doesn't have like all the qualifications because there's so many that do already in this line. So if I don't think that you won't be able to get into another company or anything, if you don't have all these things, but if you do, that's even better. So I would, I would try to do all this. Um, the other thing is leadership, leadership roles, either at those organizations, like either at those internships or, or, or um, competitions or research, but if not in student organizations, I started the first engineering society, Ivy tech. I was the vice president of AIAA. I was the vice president of SHEP. So I had all these leadership skills in my resume. So have leadership skills. And last but not least, I would definitely try to do some volunteering. Like those are the little things. And if you have some volunteering on there or like even in those like SHEP or something you did volunteering, that's great. And then the last thing that I look at is, is this student interested in my industry? Because you can have all those things, but if you don't have like anything that's aerospace related, I'm like, why do I think you want to, you want to work at, at, at my companies, like the companies that I've worked at, that I've recruited for. It's like, 
I don't know if you if you're just gonna take a, an offer from Google or someone else because they have free food or you're you're really passionate about my industry. So if you're passionate about industry specifically, I would make sure you get experience in that industry so you can show. And if you're not, then do some project or do something that shows that you're interested in that and that and that industry. So if you have all those, uh, I usually look at your resume and I say, wow, this is great. And I like tag it or put a star in the back. And then I, I hopefully you, you are one of the ones that we interview. And then you just have to kill it at the interview. Yeah, definitely. I remember at Cal State LA, mostly at Cal State LA, um, student orgs and like having those leadership positions. Actually, w one of the things that I was going to say too is the volunteering. So volunteering is like a great place. And I tell people like in the Baja teams and stuff too, volunteering is a great place to practice your presentation skills and like talking to people. Like a lot of times we volunteered for elementary or high school level students or people who were going to community college, but where like we wanted kind of them to consider Cal State LA as a school to transfer to and that kind of thing. Um, but it was a really great place to practice talking to people and presenting in front of people. And like, if you embarrass yourself or you said something wrong, like I don't think elementary kids are gonna remember, you know, they forget yeah. the next day. Um, and it helps you with like- That's how I feel with college students. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that. It's funny because that's why, like, I really want to give advice for early career engineers. Um, but I started with college students because I feel like they're going to be more forgiving than early career yeah. engineers. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for your interview and all that kind of thing, like when you're when you're actually interviewing or you're giving like pro company presentations, if you've never done that before, you never practice on elementary school kids, like do some volunteering. It helps so much. <laughs> I used to be really shy, but I, that's what helped me really really fix my presentation skills and yeah can you, the, the thing what you're saying is getting out of your comfort zone you have exactly. to get out of yes. your comfort zone and like i joke about this all the time where i think like the girl scout cookies sellers are going to be like the most world life-changing <laughs> people because they're like they're comfortable getting out there and getting rejected those are like the two things getting out of your comfort zone and being okay with rejections if you're okay with those two you will be successful like people are like oh arnold works at boeing arnold works at North Carolina. well guess what i i applied like 28 times to get into boeing i applied like hundreds of times to other companies that said no arnold no 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 you only need one to be successful like you only need one yes and, and that's what students don't understand and volunteering you you learn those skills and another big thing about volunteering and Go through my, if you're a college student and you're non-traditional, go through my podcast. You'll see, we have podcast episodes about how to win at the virtual career fair. We have how to do, how to do the interviews. We have how to do the elevator pitch. We have all this advice on how to do those things. And, and we have one complete episode about volunteering. And the thing about volunteering is you are doing something for fun with a lot of people that are good people because they're volunteering. You're volunteering. You, at the volunteering places, there's all these people that usually are very successful and that like to help. So if you're with successful people that like to help and you're a non-traditional student, guess what? They can help you get a job. They can help you find those internships. They can help you with advice that your family might not know. So th that's, that's another big plug on why people should be volunteering. So this will pretty much be our last question. Um, where do you see yourself in the future? I know you have a bunch of plans with the podcast and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be doing a bunch of stuff. So can you give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a tease, a little bit of a movie trailer towards uh Definitely. Yeah. That's the thing. Like if you don't have goals, if you don't have your five-year plan or like what you're going to do the next year, things are not going to happen. <laughs> so you need, you need to have a plan people. Um, and yes, your plan, like it's going to be discouraging when your plan doesn't work, but it's like, okay, it's a plan. It's not like uh, I have to do this. It's, and like right now with COVID, 
everybody's five-year plan switched. So like, yeah, if you hear you, if you five years ago, your plan was I'm going to be stuck home in a pandemic. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. So I feel everybody's five-year plan has switched this year or in the last couple of days. Um, but it's like, okay, at least you have an idea and you have a general compass of where you're going if your five-year plan is not working. So for me specifically, my goal in the next year and a half is to get promoted into a mid-career engineer. Um, I'm currently still considered early career, um, level one, level two engineers, like if, if out of five, um, level one, level two, um, then like level three is usually where engineers can be an engineer for the rest of their lives if they don't want to get any leadership skills or anything. So I want to be a mid-career engineer in the next year, year and a half. And, and that's very quick because I've only been an engineer like in the workforce for two and a half years. So that's very, um, some people would be like, oh, that's so, that's so that's such a high expectation, but yeah, I need a high expectation so I can meet them. And I've been doing it. So I'm definitely, that's a plan. And then in the next three years, um, next three to four years after that, uh, I want to be a manager. I want to be a first line manager at a aeros obviously an aerospace company. Um, so I want to be an engineering manager, not just a, a manager. I want to be an engineering manager in the next four to five years. That's my career wise. Um, podcast wise, that is a good question. So like, Next year, I'm going next year. The plan is so I've had the podcast for about seven months now. Starting 2021, it's not going to be a podcast anymore. It's going to be a community. So we're going to have the podcast on. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it once a week or twice a week, but we're going to have shorter episodes once or twice a week, 15 minutes. We're going to have like on Tuesdays where we'll have success stories. On Fridays, we'll have like motivational quotes. Um, on Mondays, we'll have like resources where people can go see. So I want to build it more than just a podcast. I wanted to build it kind of like a, like a website or like I'm doing it on LinkedIn right now and Instagram and Facebook. So on all three of those, I'm pretty much promoting other resources. Other people are doing great stuff for free. Um, other success stories to motivate those non-traditional students to see like, hey, you can make it. If you look at my podcast right now, we have people that started raising pigs in Mexico and they work at NASA now with a PhD. We have people that were immigrants from Korea that are now managers at Google. We have people that are like just doing all these great things that come from all these non-traditional, non-target backgrounds. And we're going to start putting those stories like on like an actual post. We're going to start doing that. Uh, I'm going to start doing like my monthly live um, like Q&As. So I've done two already. In the last two months, I did one for Hispanic students for the SHEP conference, Society of Professional Hispanic Engineers. And this last one I did was for international students. The next one I'm going to do is going to be for DACA, Deferred uh, Early Hajj, Deferred Action Childhood Arrival. So um, undocumented students. And the next one after that, I'm going to do women in STEM. So like monthly themed conversations to help specific groups. Uh, I'm thinking about Zoom meetings, still not sure. And then like on my personal, that's the whole podcast side. And I'm starting to look for volunteers. Um, I don't make any money off the podcast. I it's like negative $5,000 right now. So like, I'm just pouring money into it and just like helping students. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but I hope something good. Um, so I'm seeking volunteers to help with any of that stuff that like they want to add on their resumes or they like want to meet all these people that I, that I'm meeting that are just incredible people, man, people like C-level executives, like the CTO of companies have looked at my, at my profile on LinkedIn just because of my content. Um, I've had on my podcast, the retired CTO of Boeing. So like all these like really high level people are starting to like know who Arnold is because of my content. So I want to bring that for other people too. So like any volunteers that want to help with us, then we're going to start giving you some exposure. We're going to start giving you some work. We're going to start having fun. It's going to be like kind of a student org. Um, so that's kind of the plan with the podcast for next year. I, I haven't planned out too much after that, but I also want to start doing like one-on-one -on -one coaching, like where I'm actually getting something like, okay, I want to have all these free resources, 
but obviously some students still want that one-on-one -on -one coaching where they want like, hey, Arnold, I want you to look at my resume after everything you said. I want you to help me prepare for, for interviews. I am a busy person. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that for a cost. And all that money that I make for that, I'm just going to keep on pouring it into a podcast because I'm starting, my, my wife's starting to get mad at, at me pouring money into the podcast from, from our stuff. So like, I, I've had two, 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 two people that are like, Arnold, please, please, please give me one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I'm going to, I'm going to see how we do that. And and start making some money. Also presentations. I'm going to start presenting more at schools. Um, and one, so if you're, a if you're a student leader out there, I'm going to be presenting for free on January. January and maybe February, I'm going to be doing free presentations for any student organizations. But after that, I'm going to need to start charging because these colleges, they have a lot of money. So they can give us some of that money so I can make free resources for all the other students. So, so that's kind of what the plan with that also. And then like my personal LinkedIn content, creating more aerospace related content. So anything aerospace related, that's going to be on my personal profile. Awesome. And I, I, I mean, I want to roll out the red carpet for you. Do, do you, there's social medias that you want to plug like LinkedIn websites, Facebook, things like that. Yeah, definitely. So on LinkedIn, that's the best way to find my personal stuff. Um, Arnold Morales. I have a hashtag, but I just started Arnold the engineer. Um, just look for me on LinkedIn, Arnold Morales. I have a little gear next to my name too. So it'll be easy to find. So make sure you look for me on LinkedIn. I post pretty much every day. And, and then you can find like my Instagram, but that's like more personal stuff. So I, I don't think people care. A lot of people don't care about my personal life still, but, but some people do. So it's interesting. Um, aside from that, for like the non-traditional college success for that whole effort, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook, all under non-traditional college success. And you'll find there and, and you'll start finding other people too that are involved with that, that have done all these great things. So it's cool. Build a community, make friends outside of your circle. Because if you're from a non-target school, if you're not from MIT, Stanford, Yale, all these companies don't go knocking to your door and saying, hey, we want students. So you need to find those, those way to get into those big companies. And that's how I found my way going to IUPUI, which probably none of you know what IUPUI is or, where it, or what it stands for. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for all the advice and for the insight that you gave about your experience and all these things that you've been through. And I, I do think that it's really inspiring to hear all these stories from an engineer who started out the way you did. I'm sure that there's a lot around today who feel like they're not doing so well, or maybe they don't know if they can make it to, you know, this, this benchmark that they have in their heart or in their mind. And yeah, it's just really great to hear it from somebody who's actually done it. So thank yeah, you definitely. for being on with us. And, and, and I've been there. Like you said that, 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 that's great. I haven't mentioned the struggles, but the struggles is like a huge portion. Like I remember being a freshman and saying to myself after my thermodynamics class and after my um, <laughs> statics class, I'm not going to be an engineer. This is way too hard. This is, this makes no sense. Like I, this, I'm never going to make it through engineering school. I remember being a sophomore and saying, I am never, ever going to do a master's in engineering. I'm going to finish my college. I'm going to go into the workforce and I'm never going to do a master's in engineering. I did a master's in engineering. I work at the biggest aerospace company in the world and I finished my degree. So if I could do it, I think really anyone can do it. Definitely. So we hope to have you on again. And I guess this wraps up our next episode of Staying Muddy Podcast. So thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Staying Money Podcast. I'm Mr. You can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok with the handle Castaway Baja SE. You can also check out our website, Castaway Baja SE, if you want to check out more stuff about our team. And we also have some merch on there as well. You can also join our Staying Money Podcast subreddit if you'd like. Thanks again for listening. See ya.
the views, information, or opinions expressed during the Stain Muddy podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Baja SAE and Cal State Los Angeles.